Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast from The Lancet Oncology. It's October 2023 and my name is Dr Cheryl Reeves. This month I'm delighted to be joined by Dr Wanda Quay from the Department of Medical Oncology, Peter McCallum Cancer Centre, Melbourne, Australia, who is going to talk to us today about her policy review entitled Measuring Ovarian Toxicity in Clinical Trials, an American Society of Clinical Oncology Research Statement, published in our October issue. So Dr Quay, thank you for joining me today. Nice to to join you. Thank you. Please explain why it's so important that ovarian toxicity measures are included in the clinical trial design of anti-cancer agents. We know that ovarian toxicity is a potentially serious and irreversible side effect from anti-cancer treatment. It can result in early menopause, which causes infertility, as well as increases the chance of long-term health issues such as osteoporosis, cardiovascular disease, and can negatively impact sexual health as well as cognition. And these can have profound impacts on a woman's well-being. We also know from previous studies that the impact of cancer treatments on ovarian function is a major consideration for young women when trying to make cancer treatment decisions. Absolutely. So given its importance, why do you think that ovarian toxicity in cancer clinical trials is not routinely measured and collected systemically or after treatment in a standardised way? Why has ovarian toxicity been overlooked despite its recognition many decades ago and its huge importance to patients? We explored this question in a qualitative study, actually, where I interviewed key stakeholders involved in breast cancer clinical trials from around the world. And we found the main reason was that this issue of ovarian toxicity was generally not considered during clinical trial design. We also found that other barriers included these data are not required by drug regulatory agencies for approval. And there was some uncertainty regarding how and when to measure these data. Currently, there's no standard definition for ovarian toxicity in cancer patients receiving or who have received anti-cancer treatments. And although clinical trials collect very detailed data regarding adverse events during study treatment, to best assess ovarian toxicity, collection of ovarian measures at baseline, but also at 12 to 24 months after treatment sensation is ideal. Therefore, collection of these data needs to be pre-planned when designing clinical trials so that these measures are collected at the most informative time points. This research statement provides evidence-based recommendations to researchers to improve collection of these data, and we hope this statement will result in a paradigm shift in the existing approach to designing clinical trials enrolling premenopausal women so that adequate information about treatment-related ovarian toxicity, which is of such huge importance to patients, is collected routinely during the trial and therefore available to patients when the drug is first used in clinical practice. Absolutely. Please elaborate on what prompted the American Society of Clinical Oncology, ASCO, to convene a diverse group of experts in an ovarian toxicity task force in 2022, including patient advocates, ASCO research committee members, adult and paediatric medical oncologists, gynecological oncologists, a reproductive endocrinologist, reproductive biologists, FDA regulatory agency representatives and pharmaceutical company representatives. What prompted the task force was the lack of adequate data regarding whether newer treatments can cause treatment-related infertility and early-onset menopause. 
Um, certainly my, my research has shown that only 9% of breast cancer trials conducted globally between 2008 and 2019 collected data on how the anti-cancer agent being tested impacted the ovaries. And my subsequent qualitative work identified that this issue was being overlooked and found that strategies to facilitate routine collection of ovarian toxicity data included raising awareness regarding this issue amongst clinical trial stakeholders, as well as development of recommendations. So Professor Phillips, who is the senior author on this paper, and I approached ASCO with our findings, and ASCO convened the Ovarian Toxicity Task Force in 2022 to better understand this problem and develop this research statement. It was really important that this statement incorporated the viewpoints of all key clinical trial stakeholders, particularly patients, as well as specialists in both adult and paediatric medical oncology, gynecological oncology, and reproductive endocrinology and biology. Our previous research also um, regarding trial endpoints and how they're selected in cancer clinical trials demonstrated the important role of the pharmaceutical industry as well as drug regulatory agencies in these decisions, and therefore representatives from pharma and the FDA were also included in the task force. Thank you. Can you elaborate on the recommendations that the ASCO statement provides regarding the incorporation of ovarian toxicity measures as in trial design? Yep. Um, so firstly, this statement recommends that ovarian toxicity should be measured in relevant clinical trials of anti-cancer agents in which premenopausal, postpubertal patients with ovaries are enrolled. We recommend that these data should be included in all new curative intent or primary prevention cancer trials, which assess investigational agents, and should also be considered for ongoing and completed trials. Measurement of ovarian toxicity may also be considered in trials enrolling patients with advanced or metastatic cancers, especially in trials enrolling treatment-naive patients. Secondly, this statement recommends collection of ovarian function measures at baseline and at 12 to 24 months after treatment sensation as a minimum and later in line with the trial schedule. In addition, for anti-cancer agents where the mechanism and extent of ovarian toxicity, if there is any, and the time to recovery are not known, additional data collection every 6 to 12 months during treatment, at the end of treatment, and after cessation of treatment is considered optimal to explore this issue. And thirdly, this statement recommends assessment of both clinical measures such as menstruation, pregnancy and live birth, as well as biomarkers of ovarian function such as AMH, FSH and estradiol. Do you think that the wider clinical community is ready to adhere to your research statement recommendations and adopt your recommendations for cancer clinical trials? In reality, how easy will it be to implement this? So that's a good question. I mean, I think as survival from cancer improves, the clinical community increasingly recognises the importance of understanding the impact of our treatments on the long-term health of cancer survivors. For example, quality of life is increasingly assessed in cancer clinical trials and prospective cardiac surveillance is often incorporated into trial protocols of cardiotoxic treatments, sometimes up to 10 years after treatment completion, which demonstrates the feasibility as well as the desire to understand the existence of late treatment toxicities. Currently, women need to make treatment decisions without the knowledge of how some of our therapies may affect their future fertility or ovarian function. 
And although we recognise that collection of these data does add some complexity when designing trials, this issue is of such importance to patients that it cannot continue to be overlooked. The measures of ovarian toxicity recommended in this statement include collection of clinical data such as menstruation and pregnancy, as well as relatively inexpensive biomarkers of ovarian function, which are routinely used in reproductive medicine and endocrinology and performed by many laboratories. As most clinical trials mandate multiple review visits and blood sampling and often require long follow-up after treatment cessation, I think that implementation of these recommendations will not add substantial burden to patients or to trialists. Okay. Can you describe some of the challenges which may still lie ahead? I think an immediate challenge is implementation. Implementation of these recommendations requires clinical trial stakeholders and sponsors to prioritise the assessment of ovarian toxicity when designing trials and also while, when allocating trial resources. Another challenge is although routine collection of ovarian toxicity data is the first step to identify which drugs have an adverse impact on ovarian function, research is still needed regarding the mechanism of treatment-related ovarian toxicity, which may differ between the different drug classes. And this is important because ultimately we need methods to prevent ovarian toxicity for any agents which are found to be gonadotoxic to, pre- to avoid and prevent the unwanted sequelae of infertility and early menopause and improve the survivorship experience for many young women living with and after cancer. So there's still a lot of work to be done. Thank you so much, Dr. Quay. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, the full article is now available online on the Lancet Oncology website, and you can subscribe to In Conversation With the Lancet Oncology wherever you usually listen to your podcasts.